As we get ready to finish up uh, the book of Jonah this morning, I want to point out that the entire book of Jonah, all four chapters, is all about chapter four. It's not that the first three chapters weren't important and didn't have lessons to be learned, but they were basically there to set the stage for what happens here in chapter four as we look at the life of Jonah, or at least a, a snapshot of his life, and some uh, situations and issues that came about with his relationship with God. And we've learned a few things over the last few chapters. We've learned a few things, I hope, about God and about running away from God and about uh, being obedient to his call in your life. And we also learned, uh, hopefully learned, if not learned past tense, we're going to learn today that God's grace, Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, was for all. And uh, I was, as I was studying chapter 4, Exodus chapter 33, specifically verse 19, which is also quoted in chapter 9 of Romans, verse 15, where God is speaking, saying, And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. He then says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. This is God uh, saying that I am God and I will love who I want to love. I mean, if God never said anything else to his creation, he could say that and it would be sufficient. Thank the Lord that he's spent all of this to show us his love, all of this word, all of his truth that has been revealed to us over the, the years of his existence and his creation. But today we look into chapter four. I want you to keep in mind that particular verse in Exodus especially the I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy part. As we look in chapter four and we learn about the truth of God's compassion, the reality of God's compassion. Um, we're going to see Jonah's reaction to God's mercy and how it reveals both the condition of his own heart, but also it reveals the, the immeasurable Love of our God. Okay. Have you ever sat back and thought about how, how much does God really love me? I think it's a healthy question to ask. As long as we know that we will never, ever get to the end of the answer to that question. Because just, just when you think he loves you too much, he'll love you more. He's got more mercy and more grace and more compassion and more patience. Hello? That's God's love, right? It just comes in a different package. When God is patient with you, it's because he loves you. When God is uh, correcting, it's because he loves. When God is encouraging, it's because he loves. When God is surrounding you with his glory, it's because he loves. Even, even when Peter was rebuked a couple times, 
by our Savior, it was because he loved. So I want to read through this uh, 11 verses this time in chapter 4. I'll just read through it and then we're going to talk about uh, a few different things that we can notice and hopefully that'll be sufficient for the Lord to help us this morning. Starting in verse 1 of chapter 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. By the way, this is after Jonah preached. Remember, he preached that in 40 days, destruction is coming. And then the king and all of the Ninevites repented. And God, uh, God did not come and punish them. He did not come. He, held, he withheld his wrath. And so it says, but, in great, it, but it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, please, Lord, uh, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to uh, forestall this, I fled to Tarshish, and I, for I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents certain uh, concerning calamity. Verse 3, Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. The Lord said, Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what what would happen in the city. Verse 6, so the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a a worm when, when dawn came the next day, and it, it attacked the plant, and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, Death is better to me than life. Then God said to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be, ang- be angry about the plant? And he said, I have good reason to be angry even to death. Then the Lord said, you and you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. And then finally in verse 11, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals. Now, this morning we were in our Bible study and our prayer time. We have prayer. You all, hopefully you all know that we have prayer time at 945 every morning on Sunday mornings. Whoever wants to come can participate in the prayer. We pray over the prayer list, pray over the church. We just seek the Lord together. Isn't it great that Jesus went to the cross shed his blood, died, gave up his life, and then was resurrected from the dead, also that we can have an open door to the Father. We can go to the Lord in any time, at any place, for any reason. And don't you love it when you hear that? Because it sounds special to be able to have this great relationship with our Creator. He's not just a God who lords over us. He's a father who cares. 
for us. He's a, he's a, a creator who wants relationship with us. He wants meetings with us, regular meetings, daily meetings. And if everything was fuzzy wuzzy and ice cream and cake, everybody would go to God and these meetings every day without hesitation, right? But it's not that way, is it? It's not always that way because God is a just God and his love covers all parts of our lives. It covers the deepest, darkest corner of our hearts. And sometimes the meeting is a meeting that is a reminder of who he is and who we are. You see, this whole four chapters of Jonah is about Jonah having issue with not only other people in the world, but he's having issue with God's will. And yet he still wants God's favor at the same time. Hello? Don't, don't amen too loud because how many times have we found ourselves there? Where God has to tap us on the shoulder and say, uh, let's talk about something. Let's make something clear here. Can y'all believe that Jonah is angry at this point? I mean, think about everything that he's gone through. First off, the very first thing in chapter 1, it says, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, It doesn't even matter what the word of the Lord said. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, which means that the word of the Lord sought him out. How many of y'all love to hear from God? Especially in those moments, right? Those hard moments, those lost moments, those dark times. I just need to hear from God. And right off the get-go, he's blessed. He's a, he's a man who God used. He's, 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 this isn't the first time God gave him an assignment to go preach somewhere. Other times he's gone to preach to the Jewish community, which he had no problem doing. Because he, he felt, Jonah felt, they deserved the sermon of grace and mercy and salvation. They deserved the sermon about repenting from being an enemy of God so that God's love can fall on them. He had no problem preaching to the Jewish people. But, oh, let's not, let's not go to Nineveh, them heathens. And they were bad people. They were real bad people. They did bad things to other people. I mean, they did wicked things. The Bible describes in some places where the wicked will get tired of doing wicked things and they will invent new ways to do wicked things. And that's who lived in Nineveh. That's who God sent Jonah to preach repentance to. See, when you preach repentance, you're preaching grace and love. And you can't preach grace and love without repentance. Because there's no forgiveness uh, sermon without a sermon about sin. I know. 
When I go shopping, I go down the aisles that, that, that have the good stuff. I don't go to the aisles that have the bad stuff. Hello? I don't even know where tofu is in a grocery store. Here we are in the first, chap, first, first, uh, first verse of chapter 4, and it says, Jonah is angry. He's displeased, greatly displeased. Yo, let's think about God. Let's think about our Creator. Let's think about His holiness. What, what human being that's ever been created has any right to be angry with him? But here it is, Jonah. I mean, he preached one of the most powerful sermons ever recorded in all of the Bible, and everybody got saved. And he's mad. And then he starts lecturing God. Look what it says here in these first few verses. He starts lecturing God. The first four He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? How many times have we been in a prayer session, been in a meeting with God, and we think we're running the meeting? He's, he's lecturing God here. He's like, didn't I tell you this was going to happen, God? Did I not tell you that they would repent and then that you would forgive them? This is why I didn't go. As if God didn't already know all of this information. But he's angry and he's lashing out. He said, this is why I ran away. In other words, he's saying to God, we didn't have to go through all three chapters, Lord. If you'd have just left me alone. Notice, notice that Jonah has this awesome relationship with God. Here's how I know that, because he says, I knew, verse 2, I knew that you are gracious and compassionate, God. How do, you don't know that unless you know him. You don't know that unless you've spent time with him. You don't know those characteristics about God. You might have heard about those things about God, but you don't know it. Unless you've experienced it. Which tells me that maybe Jonah knew some things about his own self that God really didn't have to forgive but did anyway. Maybe he's realizing that God's still chasing him down in the middle of this whole thing. He said, I knew you were slow to anger. Abundant in loving kindness. Here's how mad he is. In verse 3, he says, Oh Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. You have to hate some people to get to this point. Don't you think? I mean, for real. You, you really have to hate some people or be so uh, above some other people to want to die before they repent and get saved. 
Notice every time Jonah feels stress or when he's wrestling with God to the, to the point where he's, a, he, he's refusing to tap out and God's still teaching him, he always goes to this resource. Just kill me now, Lord. Just take my life. It's miserable. I'm so miserable. This, you know, we look at Jonah, as we do in many of the characters in the Bible, and since we're so many thousands of years away from them, it's easy for us to sit back and say, what kind of knucklehead acts this way in front of the Lord? But if we let the word of God speak into our hearts and have the spirit of God have his way, we realize that each one of our names starts with a J and ends with Ona. Because each one of us have some time or another at some point about something have been in this place with God. And if we ever get to the point where we can admit that and realize that and let God show us, then we would be praising His name even more for His grace and patience with us. I, 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 don't, know how many, I don't know how many times churches around the world, many right here in this part of the world, they will not grow. They cannot grow because... They only want certain people coming to their church. They don't want everybody in the community to come. Just certain ones. You know, the ones that look like us and dress like us and act like us. They're the ones who sin like us too. But if those other sinners that do way more horrible things than we do come, then we got issues. It happens. It really does happen. People would rather die than preach God's love to someone's life. Because if you love a person the way God would send you into the world to love somebody, guess what? They might actually get saved and they might actually be sitting next to you in the, in the, in the pew here. Oh, I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> I didn't know that was going to I didn't know they were going to come and sit with us at church. This verse 4, it should hit us square in the face every time we read it. Every time. The Lord said, this is the Lord's response to Jonah's lament. Do you have good reason to be angry? Now, I, I, at first, when I first studied Jonah and first started looking into this whole thing... Uh, over the years, I've always, I've always thought that God is saying, anytime you're angry about anything, you should think about this. And maybe there's some truth in that. But really, he's addressing Jonah's anger toward him. Jonah's out of line because for some reason, Jonah believes that his anger means something to God. Or some consequences or wrath from Jonah is going to come at God and God should be scared. Ooh. When it really should be the other way around, shouldn't it? Jonah should be praising God for the repentance of this entire great nation. 
full of wicked people who now know Jesus as Lord and Savior. That's what repentance looks like in our day. What if, what if all of our community got saved this morning? How would we feel about that? What, what if all of the people that live here within 100 miles of us got saved? We were all brothers and sisters in Christ. God, Jonah's ang- Jonah was angry and God was patient. That's what I see in these first four verses. I mean, God had every right to just snap him out of existence because of his anger. Who are you to talk to me? But no, God is patient. Because it, look, look, if God is so patient and so loving to the Ninevites, wouldn't it match up if he was just as patient and loving with Jonah? Because sin is sin and wickedness is wickedness. An ugly heart is an ugly heart. And he gently gently questioned Jonah. He's helping Jonah come to this conclusion about reality. Look at verse 5 real quick. (laughs) Verse 5 through 8. Then Jonah went out of the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen to the city. This dude walked over there with his lawn chair and his, uh, his sweet tea and sat down and he just was watching the sh- He's getting ready to watch the show. Because 40 days are coming, remember. So he camped out outside the city and he's like, I'm just, they're not going to rebound. Let's just see what happens. Now, I don't know. I, 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 I've, I've toyed with where could his mind have been in this because he could have been sitting there waiting for the destruction of the people that he hates and wishing for it. Very possible. Or he could have been sitting there watching, knowing that, they're going, that they've repented and knowing that God is going to forgive them and it's not going to happen. Either way, he's not in the right place. Because he's not celebrating God's grace for these people. So the Lord, he appointed, look what it says in verse 6. God appointed a plant and it grew up over Jonah to shade, uh, to be a shade over his head. Now, anytime uh, my son, when he was a child, was throwing a fit, I still cared for him. I still fed him dinner. And I still waited for him to be finished with his fit. And he's still my son after his fit was over. You see? So Jonah is only hurting himself here with his ugly heart and his bad attitude and his sinful emotions. And God cares for him with a shade tree. God created a shade tree. For him over, in, overnight. It grew. God made that happen. You see, God is constantly showing all of creation that He is the Creator, and all of creation responds to Him as Creator, except for Jonah and the rest of us. So He creates a shade tree. Everything seems to be, maybe, maybe this will make Jonah feel better. 
Now, this is just the beginning of the lesson. Look what it says at the end of chapter six, or verse 6. He says, and Jonah was extremely happy about the plan. What an, what, what an emotional roller coaster this dude is. He's, he's extremely angry because people got saved, but then God blesses him and he's enormously overwhelmed with joy. If you want to know what selfishness looks like, there it is. Because the blessings of God are for me and I'll enjoy them then, but if they're for somebody else, then I'm not interested. How dare anyone take this attitude? But then it says in verse 7, God appointed a worm. He created something else. And normally when Scripture talks about a worm, it's talking about sinful things. Word pictures here. He created a worm. When, it, when, when, when dawn came the next day and it attacked the plant and it withered, it killed the plant. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Amen? Jonah went to bed that night, smile on his face, enjoying the blessings of the Lord, the shade, the breeze that came from God's provision. And he woke up the next morning when, God, God said, when, when the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind and the sun beat down in Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged, and begged with all his soul. Look, here we are again. With all his soul to die. Paul, the Apostle Paul, don't we all wish we could understand the lesson that he learned? I've learned to be content in all situations. I've learned to be content with much, and I've learned to be content with little, and I've learned to be content with everything in between. Jonah's nowhere near that. It's either, God, you bless me, or I just want to die. Who's the giver of life if it's not God? And who, Jonah doesn't even really have the right to demand God to take his life away from him. He says, death is better to me than life. I hate this place. <laughs> he's, he's, he's happy, he's sad. He's happy, he's sad. He's, he's angry, he's happy. Back and forth, back and forth. And God's just sitting there with Jonah, patiently waiting for him to wake up. And realize that if it weren't for God... Jonah would be totally miserable in a way that he's never experienced in his life. Not even the three days he was in the belly of this fish. Again in verse 9. Again in verse 9. God says to Jonah, Do you have good reason to be angry about the plant now? When you're mad, you're angry about the Ninevites. Now you're angry about the plant, what I do with the plant. You're angry about what I do with this, what I do with that. Who, who are you to, to be angry with me about what I do with my creation? Who, who are any of us to be angry about what God is doing with the life that he gave us in this world? 
who He wants us to minister to, who He wants us to love, what disciples He wants us to make in what area or part of the world He wants us to make disciples in. So what? He wants you to love on some homeless people. Okay, He wants you to love on some of those sinner people that we don't hang out with. Go spend time with them. That's what He wants. Who are we to be angry about His doings in our life? Because without Him, we don't even have life. Hello? Without His love and our Savior on the cross, we have nothing. And it surprised me, Jonah's answer, when he said that. He said, what, do, you have, do you have good reason to be angry about this plant too? And he said, I have good reasons to be angry even to death. At least Jonah's being honest with God here. At, at least he's answering the question honestly. He says, Lord, I, I, don't even, I, I just want to die. That's how I feel. I don't even, I don't, if, it's, if I'm not going to be blessed in the shade tree, then I don't even want to be here. If I'm going to be in the belly of the well, then I don't even want to be here. If I got to go preach to those people, I don't want to be here. That's what's going on. Look in verse 10. Then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work. You enjoyed that plant. It gave you something. I provided for you using that plant so you loved it. And then when it died, you were angry about it. You didn't do anything to put that plant there. and You, you didn't do anything to take it away. He says you did not cause it to grow overnight and, and, it, and, it, and it perished overnight. You didn't have nothing to do with that. You're part of the creation, Jonah. You're part of God's creation. I think that kind of a statement helps me put myself in place and put you guys hopefully can help you put yourself in place in perspective of who God is versus who we are. But at the same time, we're the one part of creation that Jesus died for. So we're a little bit more special than the rest of it, don't you think? Here it is in verse 11. Here it is. The entire four chapters so that God could say this. Should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand, as well as many animals? He says, should I not have compassion on those people who are Behaving in a way that puts them in the, in the, in the path of my wrath? Should, should I not have compassion on them too? Or should it just be for Jonah? And the rest of the Jewish community? Is, is that what it should be, Jonah? Is that what it should be? It, just, just you and the people that you like? He was trying, he's telling Jonah, he's like, look, there's... 120,000 people over there, they don't know the difference between their left and their right. They were brought up into this wicked behavior. 
They were taught by their parents and their grandparents how to behave wickedly. Before I exact my wrath into their life, should I not give them a chance to know the truth? If I'm really God, if I'm really the creator, if I'm who I am, should I not do that for them too? Because they don't deserve it any more than you do, Jonah. You don't need, he, he don't, they don't deserve it any more than any of us in this room. They didn't even deserve one day of warning, let alone 40. Because of their wickedness and their sinful behaviors and their black hearts. Just like Jonah's heart is hardening as he speaks to God. Hopefully he learned this lesson. That's the end. That's the, the chapter, verse 11 is the end of the book. And we're all sitting there. I was like, okay, what did Jonah do? Did he figure it out? Did he get it? And I think the word of God is saying to me and to y'all, it doesn't matter. What matters is, do you get it? Do you understand who God is and what his mission is, what his plan is? Do you understand his grace and mercy and his patience with you? I mean, he said they didn't know their right from their left. There's people in our community today that have no clue what sin is. They have no clue uh, that they've offended God. Sure, they've heard all the things that's been said about Jesus and, and heaven and hell. If you receive Jesus, become a Christian, you can go to heaven. No, there's no understanding there. Because generation after generation, even in today's culture, are not being taught about the grace of God. They're not being taught about the love of God. They're not being taught about the effects of sinful behavior, rebellious behavior, rebelling against a creator and the consequences. They're not being taught those things in their homes. In fact, in today's world, if you're paying attention, they're being taught against those things. And the assignment never changes for the believers. Go into the world and make disciples. Go into the world. Go into these today's modern day Ninevites and tell them that Jesus is coming and they can repent and should repent. I think that's the easy part. Don't y'all? Y'all are like, nah. <laughs> I think it's the easy part when you compare it to looking at who the mission field is. You know, the people that we walk by every day, the people we see on the television and the internet, the people we see in the community that are behaving in ways that, that make us roll our eyes, that make us think negative things about another person that Jesus died for. Not everybody's like me. Now, you can either thank the Lord for that or be sad about that, but not everybody's like me. And I have to somehow or another, with God's help, go out into the world and find ways to love them in such a way that they see that God is real and that there is a problem. And that we're all in this together. Right? 
Because when we all stand before the Lord, whenever our day comes, when we stand before God, whether it's when Jesus comes back or we leave this world for whatever the reason, there's going to be uh, a meeting. It's going to be a meeting. It may not be in these words, but it's going to be a meeting where God is going to look at you and know whether or not you've been to Nineveh or not, or He's going to know that He don't know who you are because you haven't had a meeting with Him in the past. Right? I love you and the Lord loves you. God did not send Jesus into this world so that we could all just come to church on Sunday and forget the rest of it. And it's hard, isn't it? Every, there's a lot of churches in the world that is doing that, right? That very thing. But God is waiting for us to go into Nineveh, preach the gospel, and praise Him when they repent. That's what God is looking for. Go into the world, preach the gospel, love people, and give Him the glory when people repent. Don't you want to do that? I would love it when, when, we, when we get up here and we, we spend most of our mornings on Sunday praising God for the many blessings that have happened throughout the week in our lives. I got to testify to these people. I got to love these people. These people came to Christ. There's some people in this other state that watch us online. They came to Christ because of a message. Whatever it is that God would do, it's His world. It's His creation. It's His way. Who, who am I to get upset about any of it? Who are we to get mad when God does certain things in his creation? You know, and, and it's like it's like if we don't have all of this, if we don't have God helping us with this in our homes, it will automatically infect every other part of your life. And we'll never see what God's doing. I, I, I wonder I wonder what it was like in Nineveh. When the king said, let's all start fasting and let's repent. When the king stood up and said, hey, I'm my bad. I'm responsible for this. I taught y'all this stuff. Let's repent. If the gospel is what it is, I can see people crying out to the Lord. I can see people asking for forgiveness. I can see people being honest with God for the first time in their entire lives. And I can see the Lord's presence and His holiness consuming them and healing that brokenness for the first time in their life. And then Jonah missed out on all of it because he's sitting up on the hill with his sweet tea waiting for destruction. He missed out on all of it. He could have been right down there with them, loving them and experiencing the grace of God. Himself, he could have. How many of y'all normally eat lunch on Sunday afternoon, whether it's at home or somewhere? Everybody eats lunch <laughs> at some point. But let me tell you something: if people are flooding the church because they want to know God, or because they're repenting, or because they want to be baptized, or because they want to confess Christ, because they they want to know something, I'm not going to eat. We're going to stay here all day as long as people are coming. You can call me on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, or even Sunday morning. Midnight to midnight, you can call me if you want to know the Lord. 
Are we that available? Are, are we that available to anybody? To anybody? Now, I know that everybody in this room, if, if any one of us called any one of us at 2 o'clock in the morning with some kind of need, we would scratch all the stuff out of our eyes and, and try to do our best to, to respond to that. But what if a neighbor that you don't even know comes crashing on your front door at 2 o'clock in the morning? Are we going to have the same response? Are we going to say, what can I do to help you? Especially if it's something about salvation, something about needing to get back to the Lord. What right have you to be angry about how God does what God does and with whom? The only way I know how to answer that question for myself is to think about how he accepted me when I repented. When I first found out that I was going to hell and I repented and I stood before a bunch of people and said, I need Jesus in my life. Not only did God accept me, not only did God, and these people didn't know me that well. And they didn't know all the things that God had forgiven me of, for. And they accepted me. God's people accepted me. God accepted me. The only one that was having trouble accepting me was me. I couldn't accept myself because I knew. I knew. I knew where I was. I knew what I had done. I knew, I knew that I was one of the chief Ninevites. And how dare I spend any of the rest of my life not trying to share that with somebody else and anybody else. I love you and the Lord loves you. And I hope that this was a message that was helpful to you and encouraging. I hope it's an attention getter. But at the same time, we all know that God is God. And it's his way or no way. So let's pray together. We'll sing a song of invitation.